1: Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. Alright, welcome to another edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill, we got Michael and Anna here, and we're going to talk about the new Baseball America Top 25, powered by Louisville Slugger, power in numbers. Louisville Slugger, power uh, powers all of our college baseball content, not just the top 25, this podcast, the chat I'm going to do that I'll probably be late for because of this podcast, uh, and everything else. Uh, so thank you to Louisville Slugger. Mike, uh, the top of the rankings this week, again, Oregon State, followed by Louisville, then we got North Carolina at number three, Texas Tech at number four, and Clemson at number five. But Oregon State's winning streak is over. It's over at 23 games.
2: Yeah, the the winning streak died the century. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you know, you you
1: did pull up the uh <laughs> the the Oregon Trail uh tombstone on Thursday, did you not?
2: I did. I did. Yeah, I felt as though it was appropriate. But yeah, the winning streak ended, but it's still obviously the the top team in the country given their resume at this point and obviously the the talent on their squad and they bounced back really quickly to win, you know, the next two games of that series and I mean, it's not an easy series. Washington is a, is a team that, you know, has been in our top 25 and, you know, has been playing well of late. And, uh, you know, to go in there and, and bounce back the way they did and to keep winning, I mean, every, every weekend, you know, have been coming away impressed from the Beavers from what they've been able to accomplish. And, you know, really it's, you know, the, the pitching is outstanding for them. You know, Bryce Femmel and, and Jake Thompson both pitch very well. On those next two days to bounce and, back, and Heimlich did too. Yeah, exactly. I it mean, the ERA is all the way up to point eight now, but well, he's losing it. <laughs> every every week, it's going up about a, a tenth of a of a of a point, and uh, at some point, he's going to be his ERA is going to be one, and and I'm going to be done with him. Um, <laughs> but no, no, Luke Heimlich pitched well again. He just an unfortunate error in that game from Oregon State's perspective that allowed a couple Washington runs to come in and you know you got to give credit to in that game to Noah Bremer for Washington who they've been using in the Friday starter they've been using him out of the pen and, and kind of this piggyback kind of role um, pitched seven innings through over one hundred or eight innings eight, honestly, innings. eight innings and, and through over you know 130 pitches to, to close it out and and to to get that win and obviously it was a big win for the huskies so yeah but Oregon State is still, you know, hey, they're starting another winning streak at this point. So,
1: yeah, when I talked with uh, Pat Casey this weekend, you know, I asked him if he, you know, it, it had been almost like six weeks since they lost. It, it was in February that they lost to Ohio State. Their are only loss before this weekend against Washington. And I asked him, you know, it, it's been it had been a long time. I mean, were you at all concerned with how they they would come out the next day? And, and he said no, that that he knew that they would be ready to go, and, and they were, and. You know, they go out and, and they come back and, and win those two games, win the series. They now have a five-game lead in the Pac-12, just halfway through the Pac-12 season, um, and Arizona and UCLA are tied for second at five games back, and uh, Oregon State's already swept Arizona, uh, and they go to UCLA this weekend, so you know, it's, it's kind of unbelievable that they already lead this league by five games And Arizona. is a really good team. You know, they're number six in the rankings this week. They're, they have a, the number two RPI in the country and, and they're five games behind the Beavers <laughs> halfway into the conference season. Um, you know, so the Beavers, as they've been, I mean, they just continue to roll. So, I mean, the, the one loss, um, it's a little different. Seeing another loss there for for Oregon State. No more no more twenty three game winning streak. But I mean that just an incredible accomplishment by the Beavers uh, so far this season.
2: No doubt, no doubt. They've been they've been excellent. And you know, really, I mean, you you look at you look at them. And I, I know before the season, John wrote a column about them and, and North Carolina, the two teams that were snubbed last year. Which you know, Oregon first State, two teams out. First two teams out. Which. You know, Oregon State probably had the better case of, of the two uh, going into the tournament, but you look at what both of those teams have done this year, uh, especially Oregon State. I mean, obviously, we expected bounce back years for both of them, where we had them ranked and, and based on their talent and all of that. But it's it's been impressive just to see that the the way that both of those teams have rolled, and especially Oregon State. But yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the Pac-12, and you mentioned Arizona, and you know they had a tough challenge this weekend as well playing Oregon a team that's been very hot lately and you know swung the bats really well uh, in that first game winning eight to four and uh, you know David Peterson continued to do David Peterson things and and uh, pitched very well against the Wildcats but they they quickly bounced back they won the final two games of that series they're rolling you know the runner-ups last year in the in the College World Series um, they're they're off to a sizzling start and you know Nick, Nick Quintana for them they're they're freshman stud he homered this weekend he's shown a little more pop lately so they're such a, a dangerous offensive club that the number 1 team in scoring is wearing 9 runs a game so it's uh you know the top of the Pac12 this year you know, you're looking at two of the best teams in the country, there's no doubt.
1: Well, it's kind of crazy when you look at that. Uh, you know, They're number one and two in the RPI, and then no one else in the pack. You have to go all the way down to 36 to find Oregon, and mm-hmm. no one else is in the top 40. Washington was a big mover this week up after beating Oregon State and just getting to play Oregon State, the number one RPI team, for three games. Um, you know, was helpful, and, and especially taking a game off of them was was helpful from an RPI perspective. And they're up to forty six. Uh, you know, they're still in pretty good shape. Stanford at forty one. Um, you know, but the this Pac twelve race is is a very strange one. You have Oregon State running away with it, but you know Arizona is a very good team, and then you have several teams just kind of trying to establish themselves here in the middle. Um, you know. UCLA Washington Cal Oregon Stanford USC are all between nine and six and five and seven and uh, you know a couple of those teams are probably gonna you know come out of this conference and, and, and look pretty good uh, we're just at this point kind of trying to figure out who they are and you know I, I thought this weekend was big for UCLA going up to Stanford winning a game or winning a series mm-hmm. uh, winning the finale in, in ten innings coming back to to win that Um Going into now a huge weekend with, with Oregon State coming to Jackie Robinson Stadium, um, UCLA now sitting at five hundred overall, nine and six in the conference. You know, they're it seems like they're moving in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I also don't know that this team is ever truly going to catch fire. But it's going to be a team that that's going to be in the mix until the end. I, I think that's what we saw this weekend out of the Bruins.
2: Yeah, especially when you have Griffin Canning starting on Friday night. That is very helpful. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's been excellent this year. His, his stuff has jumped a tick, and you know, he's always been good for them.
1: As good as Luke Heimlich and David Peterson have been, I I think, I still think he's
2: the best starter going this season in the Pac-12. Yeah, and and I mean, you look at what he did this weekend, it it was his, I believe his third 12 strikeout outing this year. Uh, Complete game shutout, allowed just four hits, no walks against Stanford. And you know, when you have him on the mound, that's going to give you an edge up pretty much on, on every Friday, unless, you know, except for this weekend, I guess, against Oregon State, that's going to be pretty evenly matched. But That'll be a fun one, no it, doubt. Yeah, but, yeah, no, certainly, you know, UCLA does, does seem to be, you know, they're close. They feel close. The last couple of weekends, you know, they've done some things that make you think, okay, you know, they have a chance here to, to to possibly, you know, get hot and maybe make some moves. But I think you're right. They're maybe not a team that's going to catch fire and go on a long winning streak. But if they win just enough of these series, they're a team that might be able to surprise some people later on this year. The schedule is a little interesting here for UCLA.
1: After you get past Oregon State, they go on their Pac-12 bye and play Cal Poly. And then they're at USC and at Washington State, home with Utah, finish at Oregon. So it's a lot on the road here. Uh, it, it'll just be, they're, they're definitely a team to watch here down the stretch and they're definitely going to be one that people are paying attention to this weekend, uh, because of what Oregon state is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the, it, it's a big weekend for UCLA. It's an important weekend, uh, as, as they try and stay in touch here with the, the PAC 12 leaders, um, elsewhere in, in the rankings, uh, you know, the top 10 was static this week, basically. I mean, we rearranged the teams, uh, because TCU lost a series at West Virginia, but it's the same 10 teams. Um, but West Virginia now, at the back of these rankings, moves in. The first time the Mountaineers have ever been ranked in, in the Baseball America Top 25. They come in at number 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, you were there for the first couple games of this that series in, in Morgantown, uh, which they and TCU split, and then TCU looked like they were going to uh, – You know, win that series after losing on Friday night. Um, They took an early lead um, on Sunday, but they were never really able to expand it. And it sat at one run for the whole, you know, most of the second half of that game. And then Durbin Feltman, TCU's very reliable closer... Uh, suddenly couldn't find the strike zone, and West Virginia was able to take advantage of that in the ninth, in the ninth inning and walk off with a 5-4 win and a, a huge, huge series win for the Mountaineers.
2: Yeah, it, it was huge, and, and you could tell that the one thing that was cool about being there is you could tell that the fans there knew you know, how important this series was, and you know they set a program record for attendance, over 3,000 fans there on Saturday, and that was after they had the fourth highest ever attendance the night before. So it was an electric atmosphere. It was a really fun place to take in a couple of games. And you look at the way West Virginia played, and you know they weren't intimidated at all against TCU, even though, and I wrote a story about this, they hadn't beaten TCU. None of those players on West Virginia's roster had ever beaten TCU. They were 0-11 in the last three years against the Horn Frogs.
1: And that includes last year's Big 12 Tournament Championship game.
2: Right. They lose the championship game last year. And you know they come into this, and you know if anything, uh, Randy Mazey, their their head coach, was telling me they thought they're coming into it with momentum because they had outscored uh, they had out, they had outscored TCU in that championship game through the last seven innings, and they thought you know what, our last seven innings against them were really good. Let's carry that into this into this game and into this series. It's a veteran team. They came out there had a little swagger to them, especially BJ Myers, their Friday starter. Um, He wasn't afraid to show emotions on the mound, especially when he struck out some people. And, you know, he was impressive. He was a guy who, you know, it tops out around 91, 92, but he changes his arm angle. You know, he goes from a lower to higher, lower to higher. Uh, He tweaks his wind up a little bit and just no pitch, no two pitches are the same. And so he's a tough at bat and he pitched very well against TCU. Um, They they blew a a lead late in that game, but they ended up walking off in in the bottom of the ninth. The next day, Michael Grove, very impressive arm. I, I was impressed with what I saw from the sophomore right-hander uh, for West Virginia. He was he was sitting 91 to 94 through most of the game, several 94s, and he touched 95 a couple of times in the sixth inning. Had a very sharp mid 80s slider, and he pitched really well against TCU and deserved a better fate than he got on that day. TCU ended up scoring five runs in the eighth to to take that take that game, but. From what I saw from those two games, I was certainly impressed with West Virginia with their starting pitching in particular, and you know offensively they have some physical guys, some some good bats, some guys with pop. Kyle Davis had a, a really nice couple of games. He homered, he tripled. Uh, Cole Austin is a good bat in the middle of that order. Had a, a few key RBI hits. Jackson Kramer has some pop, a, a senior left-hander with some opposite field power and. Um, you know, Darius Hill is is a guy who, uh, certainly, a guy to watch for next year. Uh, a guy with some some thunder in the bat as well. Um, the only weakness I really saw of West Virginia in the in the two games that I saw them was out of their bullpen. You know, it's possible it could have just been a, a rough weekend for them, but you know they did struggle to hold leads late. But otherwise, they had the look of a, a very you know, legit team in the Big 12 and a contender in the Big 12. And certainly they merit top 25 inclusion this week.
1: You know, that's a a coaching staff that has had a few years to kind of build this team out. And they were one of the youngest teams in the country last year. Um, They played, I I, want to say it was, they averaged five freshmen in the lineup. Uh, But they're paying, that's paying dividends now. And, uh, you know, that you're seeing it, you know, across the board, you mentioned Darius Hill, that's a a freshman All-American last year. I mean, Like you said, definitely a player to watch, and um, you know, so I I think they're growing up, and they've grown up basically, Um, you know, and they're they're now sitting just a game behind TCU in the Big Twelve standings. They're tied with Texas Tech for third, and they have a top ten RPI. They're they're number eight in the RPI. This is a team that not you know they have been working for a long time to to break this extended regionals drought. Yeah. I'm not saying they should start thinking about this because they should keep focused on whatever it is they've been focused on. But this is a team that can start thinking about hosting, right? The Big Twelve is the number one RPI conference in the country. Were they to win, you know, you're you're looking at a potential national seed, um, and even if they stay in the top three, like they have, like they are now, I mean, y- you're looking at. A resume that that is going to stack up pretty favorably as as a host and it's a great ballpark i mean i haven't been there like, like you were but you know it's a minor league ballpark as well it's it's this fantastic facility from all the pictures i've seen um you know so that would be that would be really something if the mountaineers are able to you know to continue this this push towards the top of the Big 12 standings.
2: Yeah, no, it, it would certainly be impressive. And, you know, given the way that they've played, if they, they keep up what they're doing now, you could certainly see them entering that hosting picture. You know, the, the one thing that they have, well, I have more than one thing at their advantage, but, you know, one thing that they do have is you look at their remaining schedule and they do still need to play Oklahoma. Um, they do still play Texas Tech, but they host both of those teams. You know, they don't really have to go on the road. I mean, their toughest road series is going to be against Texas to end the year. But otherwise, it's, it's a favorable schedule for them. And if they're able to take care of business, you know, uh, in their midweek games and, uh, you know, non-Big 12 series here and are able to hold their own against Oklahoma and Texas Tech in their own ballpark, yeah, you're looking at a possible regional, I mean, regional host for sure, and they certainly do have the ballpark for it. I mean, I was, I was impressed by the facility. It's a very nice place and it's a great atmosphere. Like I said, it's a great place to take in a game.
1: And like I mentioned, it's a, it's a shared facility, but it shares with a short season team, so you don't that. That's not even going to be a concern either. Um, you know, so they're, they're, they're all set if they can just, uh, you know, maintain this lofty RPI, maintain their spot in the Big Twelve. You know, they're. Uh, and you know, when we, when we go to update our field of 64 projections they're I, I would, I think they're probably going to be one of the 16 teams we project to host. So very impressive from West Virginia, not so impressive from Oklahoma, yeah. which uh, stepped out of big 12 play for their bye week, went to Michigan and got swept. Now Oklahoma is very banged up. They were without several key players. Um, but Michigan did not care. Michigan took advantage of it, uh, and Michigan really went out and, and made a big statement. That's a team that we've had in and out of the top 25. Uh, they were in last week. Um, and, and they've been playing incredibly well since they lost their only series of the weekend or of the year. Uh, you know they dropped two games in Maryland. Since then, they've won, I think it's 13 of 14. Uh, and, and that includes uh, you know, a big big time sweep this weekend against Oklahoma. The Wolverines are very experienced, uh, and you know they're they're just playing well in all facets. They're pitching well. Their offense was going. um, You know, I I think that's a a very impressive team. In uh, you know, it's a team that last year you know we picked fifteenth coming into the year. Uh, They started the year very well, and then they uh, down the stretch really struggled. And when I talked with Coach Eric Backage, uh this weekend, you know, he said that they they really have tried to learn from that. They aren't running from what happened last year. They aren't trying to ignore it. They're trying to to use it as an example of what not to do this year. So he said they're they're not getting too high right now. They're not they're not concerned about you know the the fact that you know that where they are in the in the. Big, tw- Big Ten standings where they're on the rankings, you know, none of that. They're, they're just trying to, to go out and, and keep playing well, just keep their consistent approach. You want, they want to have you know, a strong middle of the season and, and then a strong finish so that they can get back to the NCAA tournament, which, which they did miss last year, ultimately. So two teams kind of going in opposite directions. Oklahoma had been going so well. And now Michigan going going incredibly well. It was it was an interesting contrast, and and it'll, we'll see. Now Oklahoma goes back home to face Kansas this week. We'll see if they can uh, they can get back on track. It would be very big for them this weekend if they, if they can just go and, and take care of business uh, at, at home.
2: I think right, and, and Kansas is not by no means an easy matchup. You know they've they've done well this year. They just won two out of three against Oklahoma State and. Uh, they won two of three against Texas as well. And, you know, from coaches that I've talked to in the Big 12, they talk highly about them. They're, they're a team that you can't just go in and expect them to roll over. You know, that, it's not going to be a, an easy matchup by any stretch. And, you know, it, it just speaks to the depth in the Big 12 this year. Obviously, like you said, the number one conference in terms of RPI. Um, and, and you see teams like Baylor and Oklahoma State, you know, ranking seventh and eighth in the, in the standings right now, which is somewhat of a surprise Given you know Oklahoma State was a team that we thought highly of, Baylor got off to such a strong start to this year. But you know they might both of those teams might both have runs in them. You know they're you know Oklahoma State's five games out, Baylor's four games out. We'll see how that conference shakes shakes out. But certainly at the top, it's very very strong right now. And, and West Virginia has emerged as one of those top dogs in the conference with the way they've played.
1: It's very tight top to bottom. Um, you know one to eight is just separated by five games. Um, you know it's uh, it's a it's a very competitive conference, and they're they're all playing very very well um, to this. M- most of them have played very very well to, to this point in the season. Um, you know Kansas is six and six in the league, uh, so I mean like, like you said, not going to be an easy weekend uh, for Oklahoma as as it looks to bounce back. While you were in West Virginia, I was in South Carolina where Mississippi State was was taking on the Gamecocks. And Brent Rooker, uh, who was a large part of the reason why I was there, uh, he did not disappoint. He homered in his first at-bat uh, on Friday night in the opener uh, to dead center at Founders Park, which is a place where you rarely see home runs hit at that place. It's a, it's a pretty good poke out there. And he did off of Clark Schmidt, mm-hmm. who looked Really, really good. I mean, he gave up five runs. Uh, they were not all earned. Uh, the defense was shaky for South Carolina all weekend, frankly, um, and it was a large part of why they lost that series. But after Mississippi State scored those five early runs, Clark Schmidt settled down and retired the final 19 batters he faced. Um, so it was Brent Rooker hitting a home run to a very a very long home run against a very difficult pitcher It was – it was pretty much everything that that I hoped for in the, in the Brent Rooker <laughs> experience. Uh, but Mississippi State is more than just Brent Rooker. They win that series. They win the first two games. You know, I, we've said it before. It's kind of hard to figure out how this is happening in, in some some ways. They only have like 23 or 24 healthy players that they travel with. It's a very thin roster right now because of all the injuries they've had, but they just play with a lot of belief. And when I talked uh, with, with Riley Gridley, their, their shortstop, um, Ryan Gridley, sorry, their, their shortstop after their, their second win to clinch the series, he said sometimes when they go through the handshake line with each other, they just look at each other like, how are we doing this? <laughs> but that's they're, awesome. they're They're playing really well. That's how they're doing this. They Every time South Carolina made a mistake, Mississippi State was ready to capitalize. Yeah. And that's what good teams do. They play with energy. They take advantage of mistakes, and they, they get themselves in position where they can take advantage of mistakes. And South Carolina made, made their, fair, their fair share of mistakes.
2: Well, I'm sure, I mean, you're, you're talking about the energy that they have. I'm sure a lot of that comes from the man at the helm, You know, Andy Canizero. You know, both of us having talked with him quite a bit. He's been a guest on this very, very podcast. He's a high-energy guy. Um, a guy who's going to work out with you in the in the weight room and you know probably outbench you and it, it's just I'm, I'm well, sure definitely outbench me yeah yes. <laughs> it, so it, you know I'm sure a lot of that energy stems from him and you know obviously you got to tip your cap to the job that he's done with with a thin roster um, you know to be able to uh, they've won you know what four straight SEC series now four or? straight SEC yeah series. so it's certainly an impressive run for them and then South Carolina you know we. Conversely, I mean, we we dropped them from our top twenty-five this week from number seventeen, which is a pretty precipitous fall. But you look at the way that they've played of late, and they've just they've they're struggling. I mean, they've
1: lost three straight SEC series. Um, they've lost, uh, I think it's seven of eleven games overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't even addressed that they got beat twenty to five on Tuesday yeah. night in Charlotte in a midweek game. And I very rarely read anything into midweek results, but. And last year they lost that game fifteen to nothing, and they went to super regionals, and North Carolina sat at home for the tournament. So you know, yeah. take it for what it's worth. But they're not going right right now, and um, you know they just need a break. They need something. They need to win a tight game or, or something just to go right. Because what's going? They have so much negative momentum right now. It feels like that you know they they just need to something to get them on track.
2: Well, the the problem for them is <laughs> is you look at their their schedule coming up and at least in terms of their opponents they're facing, they're not getting any breaks whatsoever because this next weekend they're going to Florida.
1: Where they have not won since 2000, they haven't won a series since 2011 in Gainesville.
2: And Florida just put up a a billion runs. uh, Florida (laughs) scored. Florida scored uh, 40 (laughs) runs last week
1: (laughs) in four games against Florida State and Vanderbilt. They also got shut out, so really they scored 40 runs in three games.
2: Yeah, so that's that's going to be a tough task because it seems like the Gators are certainly heating up and they're looking more like the team that we expected to see coming into this year. And then after that, South Carolina hosts Kentucky. Which Kentucky is, you know, the the top team in the East right now, and they're a lot like what
1: they just saw at Mississippi State, except yeah, healthier. You know, right. it's, it's a team that's going to be very offensive, plays with a lot of energy, an older, experienced group. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot like what they just saw.
2: And then they go on the road to LSU, another team, so that's playing quite well right now, number nine in our top twenty-five. So, it's, uh, you know, I would say this is kind of the danger zone here for South Carolina. It's a, it's a pretty A daunting stretch I mean having lost three straight SEC series you know you can't lose three three more after this even you know but it's not going to be easy so something I think you're right I think they do need some kind of break at some point or 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 something because something's got to give because they, they do seem to just be playing a little tight right now they just there's just something about about that team right now you look at the talent on the roster it's there they have it Obviously, the, from the pitching perspective, I mean, you saw Clark Schmidt great. I saw Clark Schmidt great. He's been he's been shoving. I mean, he, he and, Will really good. Was and Will Crow was very good the
1: next day. I know you didn't see; it. he wasn't quite as yeah. good against Vanderbilt, but he was he was outstanding on uh, on Saturday. And
2: Adam Hill, when he's going right, has the stuff. Absolutely. So and
1: Tyler Johnson came back this week. Their their power closer, he pitched twice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's important that, that he's back. It's significant. They gotta find a way to win close games though. That that's yeah. really been if they've lost, I want to say it's like three or four one run games this year in the SEC. Yeah. If you just flip two of those, it looks so different. So I, I think there is a lot of you know, they're certainly in getting into the danger zone because those losses did happen. But you know, I I I would be very I, I would not be pressing panic yet because you know the talents there you know how close you've been to having some of these series wins um that if you can just get it going just a little bit better yeah you're going to be the kind of team that we projected them to be and i don't know where that spark's going to come from carlos cortez has really been heating up at the plate that's massively significant for them maybe he can be that guy you know maybe there's another move to be made maybe it's just you know a guy getting you know hot that that's been in the lineup already uh you know yeah. Alex Destino had a pretty had a nice game on on Friday and and maybe maybe that continues but it's got to come from somewhere because where they are now is not where they want to be and it's like you said the schedule gets a lot to doesn't get any easier and it probably gets tougher from here
2: yeah it does so they something's got to give for them but like like i said i mean and and you can see there are hints of them breaking out i mean especially from an offensive standpoint you know when i saw them against vanderbilt last weekend i I was impressed with the at-bats that they were taking and and cart Cortez certainly impressed me. You know, he's he's obviously, he's, he's very big for them to have that kind of middle-of-the-order presence. Even as a freshman, you know, he's a, a scary hitter and a very talented hitter. So they need something. They need someone to get hot. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's hard to put a finger on why they've struggled this year. It's kind of similar to, to Florida State this year. It's, it's similar to, in some ways, you know, we were talking about it last night. You know, Stanford's kind of similar too in the, in the Pac-12 as far as a team that you expect to be better than what they are, although Stanford's been missing its ace this year. so. But at the same time... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's very difficult to, to figure out exactly what's going on in Columbia. But obviously, if you're a Gamecocks fan and if you're uh, Chad Holbrook, you hope things turn around quickly.
1: I mean, the, the other good news for South Carolina before we
2: move on is that their RPI is still number
1: 22. Right. Um, you know that they would not look like a host right now. Mm-hmm. But they're still firmly in the tournament, and if you just win one of these series coming up here, yeah, um, all of a sudden you might look like a host again. So again, I, I it's not panic time,
2: but it is. It could be if things like, like go south. Like you said, south.
1: we're they're going into the danger zone. Yeah, and uh, you know they got to find a way to to get something going here in a tough tough spot of their schedule. While South Carolina moved out, Texas A&M moved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas A&M lost the first five SEC games this season. They were swept by Kentucky, lost the first two games at Vanderbilt. Since then, they are 8-2 and two in the conference and have won their last three series. They uh, you know, won at Alabama this weekend with a sweep. They've been LSU. They've been Auburn. A M and m now, is, they had this little midseason lull. Looks like they've got things figured out, and, and they come back into the, into the top 25 this week.
2: Yeah, no, they, they certainly do, and, you know, that was a, a discussion that we had, you know, comparing resumes in the SEC, comparing Texas A&M to South Carolina head-to-head, and, you know, you look at what they've done, and really, I mean, they've been the better team in, in SEC play so far, um, especially these last few weeks. I mean, obviously, like you said, they started off with, you know, getting swept against Kentucky and then losing that series to Vanderbilt, but, you know, these past three weekends, you know, winning the series at LSU was certainly impressive, Beating Auburn, a team that was red hot coming in, again, impressive. And then, you know, sweeping Alabama on the road, obviously not the toughest SEC squad this year, but still it's a, it's a road sweep in the SEC, which is, is hard to do. So they're certainly playing really, really well right now. And, you know, looking at their schedule... You know, the, the, they have the opportunity to continue. They're, they're hosting Tennessee this upcoming weekend, and then they go to Missouri. And then, you know, they have a couple of difficult matchups at the end of the year. Mississippi State, they still have to play. Arkansas, they still have to play. But they're playing both of those teams at home. So, yeah, I think the Aggies are in good shape right now. And, and they're a team that, you know, they, they lost a lot, but they're playing well. Um, and, uh, you know, they've found the right formula.
1: We touched on Florida for a second there, uh, but what Florida did this week, considering how maligned their offense had been early in the season, to see them go out and score 40 runs in a week was... I mean, that had to be very heartening for Gators fans and and, and for Coach Kevin O'Sullivan. That's the kind of offense that they can be. I don't know that you can expect them to do that consistently, uh, because... You know forty runs in a week is it's a lot uh but if they can kind of maintain this offensive momentum that they're starting to build here um you know they're an incredibly dangerous team they're they're the team that we ranked third overall in the country coming into the year right. um, and you know this is a big weekend for them too you know we talked about it from a South Carolina perspective but for them you know this is a chance. You know, Florida and South Carolina and Vanderbilt are traditionally your top three SEC East teams. Mm-hmm. Well, Florida's already—and and, and, they—that's a; those three all have somewhat of a rivalry because just of how good they have been over the last decade. So Florida's already won the series against Vanderbilt. If they can go out and do it at home against South Carolina, I, I think that gives them just a lot of positive feeling here as we move into the second half of SEC play. And Florida is two games behind Kentucky in the SEC East, but they still have to play Kentucky. That series is also at home. I mean, I I think they set up pretty favorably for Florida here in the second half of the year. Obviously, it's easy to look optimistic right now, given what happened this week versus what happened the week before when they lost a series at Tennessee. They have to find a way to be more consistent. But, you know, from where they are now, I I think the the second half of the season... Especially if you can get another series win against South Carolina, I, I think they are looking very good as as they move into the stretch run.
2: Certainly, certainly. The, you know, the one thing I am curious about, you know, talking about the offense. Obviously, you know, looking at what they did scoring the forty ones this week, you think, okay, maybe they've figured it out. But at the same time, you also had that shutout there against Kyle Wright, which obviously Kyle Wright is one of the top arms, one of the draft. To one of the top draft arms in this in June's draft, but you look at the arms that South Carolina has, guys with Clark Schmidt, a guy with premium stuff as well. Will Crow a guy with premium stuff as well. I'm just curious to see if they're able to carry that offensive momentum against those kinds of guys um, as opposed to, you know, not knocking Raby and Drake fellows for Vanderbilt, but they don't necessarily have the same stuff as, you know, Crow and, and Schmidt have.
1: No doubt. I mean when Kyle Wright throws a three hit shutout like he does I mean, there's a. I think the tendency is to just say, "Okay, Kyle Wright, that was that was exactly what everyone was expecting from you, and, and now you went out and you did it, and congratulations to you." But there is a chance, obviously, that you know f- what Florida has done this week is feasted on some not elite level arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, there there is certainly that chance, and that's another reason why this weekend is so important. Because they are going to face some more elite level arms, and they got to prove they're up to the challenge. Because, you know, that's what you face in the SEC, and, and that's what they're going to face, um, you know, later in, in, in the NCAA tournament too. So they, they got to prove that they can hit those kinds of arms, not just take advantage of of some lesser pitching. Uh, you know, we figure they can do that. You know, they, they've done that in other midweek games. Uh, now they have to do it on a weekend again. So both of those teams, South Carolina and Florida. Setting up for for a big series, maybe not quite as big as what we thought when you know we came into the year and they're both in the top five, but still a very significant series uh, for for both teams.
2: Yeah, I think we'll learn a little bit more about both of those teams this weekend. Obviously, like you said, not quite as big, but it's still very significant and very intriguing. You know, just because two teams that I think we're still trying to figure out a little bit. Although I think we do have a little more clarity with Florida right now than we do South Carolina.
1: Yeah. While that one was one that we all had circled coming into the season, uh, in the ACC this weekend, the big ACC series this coming weekend uh, is not one that I don't think anyone
2: would have circled. Wake Forest at Clemson. I had it circled. I know you had it circled. Um, I've Again, I'm a <laughs> Wake Forest guy. I uh, I really like that team. They're, they're coming off a sweep this weekend of Notre Dame. and
1: A nice 5-0 and week after going to Louisville and losing their first series of the year.
2: Yeah, no, really nice weekend and you know, they continue to swing the bats really well. Stuart Fairchild had four home runs this week and Johnny Aiello, you know, in his sophomore year, he has he's up to thirteen home runs now. I mean there that's that's been their MO for the last few years, obviously, just the you know, the home runs based on the, the ballpark that they play in and and all of that. But it's a legitimately scary offensive team with a lot of weapons and a lot of different ways to score and Really, the, the part that's really stood out to me is, is Connor Johnstone has is, is continued to pitch really, really well, and I know from talking with head coach Tom Walter, he, he's taken a jump this year as far as just, you know, he's a, he's a senior, he's been there for four years, he's never been a, a, a hard-throwing kind of guy, and he never, probably never will be, I mean, realistically, but... You know, he's added maybe a tick or two to his fastball. It's a sinker. He's able to pitch inside a little bit more, pitch off the fastball a little bit more. The breaking stuff is just a little bit firmer. It's not a drastic jump, but just enough of a jump to kind of open up the, the strike zone a little bit for him and be able to work both sides of the plate a little bit more. And we've seen the results. He's thrown two complete game shutouts this year. He had another strong outing on Sunday against Notre Dame. I mean, really, and then Parker Dunchie is pitching a lot better. He, he continues to, to progress. I mean, they're a scary club, and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with Clemson. And Clemson still, of course, isn't done with its series against Florida State. Um, you know, we kept them at number five in our poll in part because we don't know how this series is going to go. Yeah,
1: it's a they have a two and one record this week, but you know the the series against Florida State wraps around, finishes up tonight. They split the first two games. Very offensive first two games, not unexpectedly, frankly, but uh, very offensive first two games down there in Tallahassee. Um, you know, Clemson looking to, to finish it up tonight. And if they are able to, to win that series, they would move back into a tie first place in the Atlantic, uh, with Louisville. And they would be three games ahead of Wake Forest, uh, coming into this weekend. If they do lose tonight, uh, first of all, that's hugely significant for Florida State. Mm-hmm. And second of all, that leaves Louisville first place alone in the Atlantic. And, and it leaves Clemson, um kind of needing the series against wake forest which a home series. They kind of will need that one a little bit more than, uh, than otherwise would be the case. Around the ACC this weekend, I, I it was kind of boring, I felt like. <laughs> yeah, the, there, teams, the teams that were supposed to win, they won.
2: Yeah, there, there weren't a lot of big statements. I mean, obviously, you know, North Carolina, NC State is the, the big rivalry series that, that went on this weekend. And, you know, NC State had, had come off a nice series win uh, against FSU. But North Carolina clearly has been the better team this year. And, you know, you'd expect the, the number four team in the country at that point to take care of business at home. And they did. They did. Right, so um, state
1: did get a nice win on Sunday in the finale, and that was significant for their RPI. Their RPI shot up like twenty points this week, yeah. um, And they're sitting in the top forty now. That was we knew that could happen for them, and it did. And that's that's very big for the pack.
2: Yeah, no. As of right now, they're in the tournament picture. Um, You know, so that's certainly any any time you can get a win like that. You know, just to. You know, salvage the series, avoid the sweep, and and beat the number three RPI team in the country. I mean, obviously, that's going to help you. And you know, they're staying alive. They're they're staying alive. It's you know, kind of a survive and advance kind of approach for them. But um, you know, they go to Boston College this this upcoming weekend, so you you would expect that to be a series win for them. Um, and then you know from there their schedule. I mean their schedule is pretty light for the most part. You know they finished the season with a with a series against Clemson, which will be a tough test. But other than that, it's a very very manageable manageable schedule. They have Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh still to play, and then a non ACC series against Delaware. So uh, they they certainly did need some RPI boosting this weekend because they're not really going to get it down the stretch. So that was good for them to pick up that win. It's certainly a significant win.
1: Yeah, I mean the the ACC picture it's been pretty clear for a while seems like the last remaining question is is Miami going to you know get hot enough down the stretch to to get into the tournament they had you know a nice series win at Pitt this weekend they're sitting at 500 in the league third place in the coastal they're still under 500 overall 16 and 19 rpi of 75 that's still not going to get it done but it does feel like they're I don't know if they're truly trending in the right direction, but they're at least treading water and uh, yeah. you know still still on the edge, still still capable of uh, of making a, a push down the down the stretch in the second half of the season if they are able to uh, to get a little hotter than they've been.
2: Well, they'll host For- Florida State. This weekend, so it's a that's, big
1: series for both teams. Yeah, so that's not very, only is that a rivalry, but you know that has that has some significant implications for both of them.
2: Yeah, both have had their fair share of struggles this year. Um, you know, Florida State obviously it's still in the tournament picture right now, RPI 35. But yeah, Miami, if they were able to take that series, I mean, obviously that would be a big jolt for them. And then from there, the rest of their schedule really isn't just like NC State. It's not too bad. You know, their toughest series remaining after that is at Virginia. But otherwise, you know, they have Boston College, Bethune-Cookman, and Virginia Tech are their series. So um, certainly a manageable schedule there. So, you know, it's possible that I could you could see a pathway for them to get hot and get back into the tournament, but it's not going to be quite as easy as it has been the past couple of years. And they certainly don't look like a team that's going to go to Omaha for a third straight year. But then again, crazier things have happened. So
1: as, my... uh, <laughs> I mean, the... The message for any team sitting out here on the bubble or, you know, wondering if they're trending down is just get in the tournament. Yeah. Th- just get in. And then, you know, things happen.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, East Carolina last year was 90 feet away from going to Omaha. You know, and I don't think anyone going into the tournament saw that happening. And stuff like that happens every year. You know, it's not just Coastal winning the national championship. You know, that Coastal was a really, really good team that could have hosted last year. You know, But it's just get in the tournament Things happen.
2: It's yeah. a
1: crazy time.
2: What a time to be alive, as Drake might say.
1: Mike, drop in the, uh, the Drake lines here,
2: um, because we appeal to the youths. We try. We really <laughs> try. You know, the YOLOs and, and, the <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, so
1: well mike that uh that takes us through the top twenty five for the most part here i think uh it was uh it was a very interesting Easter weekend of baseball uh but there were not that many upsets this week after after some very uh very very strange weeks maybe not strange but but weeks that saw the top twenty five shift an awful lot we we had a much more straightforward week uh you know and you gotta have those you gotta you gotta have the ups and you gotta have the downs so you know maybe this weekend will it'll be a little more a little more confusing, a little more upsets. I don't know.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, it, it was it was nice too. You know, have a nice, relaxing Easter Sunday, and then not have to scramble and totally recreate the top twenty-five like we've had to do a couple times this year. You know, it also feels good too that hey, you know, we got it right. You know, <laughs> you know, we don't we don't have to change it all that much. But you know, again, I mean, it's such an unpredictable sport. I mean, you're always going to have some fluctuations, some weeks more than others. So, but. Certainly, I, I think we have the right top twenty-five this week, and you know we'll see how these teams fare going forward.
1: Well, this week uh, we'll be uh, we'll have plenty more coverage over at baseballamerica.com. Uh, you know all your all your usual staples uh, there. Uh, we'll have a, a new field of sixty-four on Wednesday. Weekend preview on Thursday. New look weekend preview on Thursday, um, and uh, then this weekend we'll have, we'll play more coverage of, of all the action, and we'll be back here. Uh, next week on the podcast to talk about the new top 25. Maybe it'll look completely different. Maybe it'll be another uh, more status quo week. We will just have to to wait and see. Uh, So thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you to Louisville Slugger for sponsoring the podcast, as they do with uh, all of our college baseball coverage. Thank you to Mike. I've been Teddy Cahill. Thank you for listening. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.
0: Say goodbye